Hello, everyone. Due to a glitch in our recording system on Sunday, we were not able to record this live. So I'm here to give us just a little bit of it today, and hopefully this will help us wrap up this series. Uh, we're in week four of our Advent series, a series in which we are looking at hope, peace, joy, and love. We're going to be in the Gospel of John chapter one as we look at love. So I invite you uh, to grab your Bible, and you can follow along in the Gospel of John chapter one. Uh, it is always good to invest part of our weekend or part of our time together as we look forward to celebrating Christmas. We anticipate the day we set aside time to celebrate his birth. We're reminded and uh, we are challenged as believers to live every day of our lives in such a way that we're honoring God and, and we're walking with him and to grow in our relationship with the Lord. As we look at this text, uh, I just have a question for you to consider. Do you like watching movies? Do you like watching Christmas movies? And then think about for just a second, what is your favorite Christmas movie? It's been suggested that Christmas is the best time of the year for movies. There are a lot of Christmas movies out there. Movies like It's a Wonderful Life, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas, Elf, A Christmas Story, Home Alone, The Holiday, Frosty the Snowman, not to mention all the movies that are showing nonstop on the dreaded Hallmark Channel. My family enjoys watching movies together, and we try to watch one or two during the Christmas season. Uh, I took a survey uh, through our group uh, chat text that we have as a family and, and asked my family, what is your favorite movie, Christmas movie? And our top family movies include A Year Without a Santa Claus, uh, Because of the Heat Miser and Snow Miser, Christmas Vacation, The Santa Claus 2, and my favorite Christmas movie, Elf. And that may give you just a little bit of insight into the Casey household. And while all these movies are, are great stories and they're fun to watch and, and fun to participate in, I think we would agree that they're not as good or impactful as the original Christmas story, the story that brought us hope and peace and joy and love. On the fourth Sunday of Advent, we initially turn our attention to someone who had had to be on board with everything that was about to happen. Someone whose love for God and love for Jesus was demonstrated by her obedience to God. As we look at Mary, we see her say in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Earlier in the worship service on Sunday, we participated in the song, The Magnificat, a song taken from Scripture that tells us how Mary responded to the unexpected and, and I would guess, somewhat confusing news that she would give birth to God's Son. The lyrics include, My soul will magnify the Lord, and my lips will ever sing His praise. For the Mighty One has done great things, and holy is His glorious name. To magnify God is to live your life in a way that makes God's love for the world even bigger and bolder and more available to the people we encounter. And the reality is, the way we choose to magnify God, especially in those times when we are asked to respond to a challenge or something that moves us out of our comfort zone, the way we respond has a lot to do with how we love. And if anyone could understand what it means to respond to God in the midst of the unexpected, it was Mary. She was faced with being an outcast, being rejected. She would be subject to gossip and bring disgrace on herself and her family, but she responds by saying yes to God. She chooses to rejoice and to do what is asked of her so as to make God's love known to the world. Love came into the world through the incarnation. God, Jesus, the word became flesh, took on skin and bones and dwelled among us. He became Emmanuel, God with us. 
God merging and becoming one with humanity. So look with me at this text from John chapter one. In verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of the fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who himself is God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Now, I know that that's not the traditional Christmas text, but I think it has a lot to say about why Jesus came, why Emmanuel, God with us, was so necessary and so very important. What is interesting is that this text would have been somewhat shocking to the Jewish mind. They believed that to look upon God was to die, and yet the writers of the New Testament tell us we have seen God in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's an amazing statement Jesus made. We have seen, as Jesus said, the unseeable face of God in the face of Jesus. Jesus came to be like us. He was human like we are human. God did not reveal himself in a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. He was not a burning bush or a rushing wind. God did not appear in an earthquake or any of the ways that he had revealed himself before. That's what the incarnation tells us. He came in a manger. He came to a cross Everything changes when we see the face of God. John says, we have seen his glory. It was the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We do not worship some philosophy or some set of rules or ideals. We worship the one who embodied the truth. We worship Jesus. And in Jesus, we see what it truly means to love. In the scriptures, we see his love on full display. So what is meant by the word love? Well, you know as well as I do that love is a word that is used far too often and far too flippantly because we use it for everything, or it's not used enough. In fact, a research group asked people what three-word phrase they most desired to hear. And there were three three three-word phrases that dominated the answers. Think about what those uh, could have been. The first one is obvious, right? I love you. That was the first one. The second one? I forgive you. And the third one? Can you believe the third one is supper is ready? 
Now, that says a lot about us as humanity. We want to be loved, we want to be accepted, and we want to be taken care of. That's what we desire. It's part of what each and every one of us desire in our life often, in fact, constantly. When it comes to love, we could spend a lot of time looking at the various meanings of the word love, how in the scriptures there are Hebrew words for love and Aramaic Aramaic. Aramaic words for love, Greek words for love. We could study their origin, their definitions and syntax and context and and parse them out until we completely understand the meaning of each and every instance of the word love and how it is used in the scriptures. But I wonder how practical or applicable that would be to our daily life. What if, instead of defining what love is, we look at what love does? In the New Testament, specifically in the Gospels, the authors were far less concerned about the definition of love as they were the expression of love, the expression of love by Jesus. His teachings, his interactions with people, the way he lived his life, that became their working and practical definition of what love really is like and what love does. Think about the stories you know or have heard about Jesus. When Jesus encountered the lame and the blind and the sick, his interactions with them just demonstrated love. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? The answer came back, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, as recorded in Mark 12.30. And equally to that, and also most important, is to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, Mark 12.31. That is what Jesus taught. That is how Jesus lived. Jesus loved God and he loved others. He showed us how loving God and loving others are so connected that you cannot separate them. Jesus taught and demonstrated that your love for God will influence your love for people and your love for people will impact your love for God. They are connected. I like the way the Bible Project Word Study video on love says, love is a choice you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Love is a choice you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. And this includes those who cannot pay you back. One of the things that's always interesting during the Christmas time is how when we are determining to whom we're going to give a gift, often part of that determination is based on, well, did they give us a gift? Did they send us a Christmas card? Is that what is expected? Should we reciprocate? And when we give to those who give to us, It's not the same as giving to those who you not only don't have an expectation of receiving anything back from them, but but they may not even have the ability or the opportunity to do so, to to give back to you. That's part of what it means to love as Jesus described in his teachings and the way he demonstrated it in his life. And I wonder if we, if we give or if we just try to exchange, do we give In order to give, or do we exchange gifts with people? Jesus has called us to truly give, not just exchange. In fact, Jesus taught us as his followers that we are to love our enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, Luke 6.35. During the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.44, Jesus said, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is how Jesus lived his life. He loved people, he served them, he cried with them, he rejoiced with them, he stood up for the outcast, the downtrodden, the forgotten, the persecuted, and he caused, and this caused Jesus to get in all kinds of trouble with the religious leaders of the day. When they brought the woman who was caught in adultery and they threw her before Jesus, 
He told the people that the one who was there, who was without sin, that could be the one to condemn the woman. Jesus was saying, I need you to understand love, a love that extends grace and mercy and forgiveness, a love that says to the woman, I do not condemn you. A love that also says, now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus loved people with a pure love that said through his actions and his teachings, I love you unconditionally. And I have a way of life that leads to life and I invite you to follow it, to leave your life of sin, to not just do what you think is right or what feels right or what's popular or what society accepts, but to be obedient to his teachings, to seek first God's kingdom, to forgive, to extend grace, to pray, to surrender, to find true life by giving up your own life, emptying ourselves of ourself and what the world has to offer so that we can be filled to overflowing with the love of God and the life God has for us, a life to the full. When Jesus came to this earth to show us who God is, he showed us God's love. When Jesus came to this earth, he came like we did. He came as a baby. He he had to learn to walk and talk, to be potty trained. I'm sure he had to be told to eat his vegetables. He gave up all the power and knowledge of being God so he could be like us. One author said, the living word had to learn the written word just like us. Jesus learned obedience to his earthly father and to his heavenly father. And when we see Jesus, we see God stripped down to his essence. We see God's mind and heart. We see his values. We see what God loves and what breaks his heart. In Jesus, we see the very nature of God. We see in Jesus how God views people, the love he pours out of them, onto them, especially those who no one else loves. Jesus welcomed children and the elderly, sinners, tax collectors, Samaritans, Jews, Gentiles. He welcomed men and women, the young, the old, rich, poor, the healthy, the sick, the popular, and the outcast, and everyone in between. Jesus cared for and fed the hungry. He met the needs of the poor. He healed the broken. He loved the people, and he told us to love people as he loved them. God is revealed to us through the person of Jesus. Jesus came to save, to save us from ourselves, to save us from sin. He came so that we could be united with the Father. He came to show us God's glory, his grace and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. Jesus showed us how to love. He showed us how to live, how to forgive, how to obey. He showed us how we cannot be perfect on our own or through striving to obey the law, but we need his free gift of grace. Jesus showed us how to pray. Jesus was tempted like we are tempted. He felt pain. He grew tired. We know from the scriptures that Jesus took a nap, and so if you want to be like Jesus, take a nap. Jesus was rejected. On one occasion, after speaking to a group of people who were following him, they all left saying, whoa, Jesus, that teaching was way too hard. And Jesus asked his disciples, are you leaving too? Jesus was human. He came to show us how to live life with a with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and with the word of God in our heart, not as perfect people, but as forgiven people. He demonstrated a love that went to the cross, a love that brought him back to life, a love that can change our life when we discover and experience him. That is what we are invited to experience through Jesus. We are invited to experience his love. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, this is how God showed his love among us. 
He sent his one and only son into the world that we might believe through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Paul says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because of his love for us, we are called very simply to do two things. And while I said this earlier, it bears repeating, we are called to love God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It is simple. It's not always easy, but what we're called to do is clear. It's plain. It's simple. We're also called to love others, to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love as we are loved, to forgive as we have been forgiven. And everyone, all people everywhere are invited to discover and experience the love of Jesus. As believers, we are called to live our lives for God's glory and to share his love with those around us. And in doing so, we show the world what love is truly all about, not just with our words, but with our actions and how we live our life. In Jesus, we find love. And in Jesus, we find life. He invites us to make him our Lord and Savior. He invites us to confess our sins to him, to receive forgiveness. He invites us to be obedient in baptism, to walk in relationship with him, to to seek him through his word, to experience him through the spirit. We are all invited to take that next step in our faith, that next step in our relationship with, with the Lord. And it is our prayer as we serve and minister here at PCC that wherever you are, whatever you are doing, that you will surrender your life to Christ. You will seek him in his word and you will become obedient to him as you walk with him each and every day and you take that next step of faith with him. Thanks for listening. I hope this was an encouragement to you as we look at the love God has for us and the love we are are to have for each other. Merry Christmas, everyone.